Coaches, welcome to this episode of the Mesh Point Podcast. This episode is sponsored by GameStrat. If you're in need of a sideline replay system, go check out GameStrat. They have the fastest sideline replay system on the market. They provide 24-7 support during the season, which separates GameStrat from the rest of the competition. Bottom line, making in-game adjustments equals winning more games. So go check out GameStrat on Twitter, at GameStrat underscore, or on the web at www.gametimesstrategy.com. We'd also like to take a moment to mention a new sponsor of the podcast this year, Just Play Solutions. I know most of our audience knows about Just Play and how they can take your game preparation to the next level. From scout cards to player quizzing to installs, Just Play provides coaches with a playbook and game planning tools to prepare faster and engage with today's athletes. Make it a priority to check out Just Play this offseason before your league opponents do. Visit www.justplaysolutions.com, sign up for a demo, and let them know we sent you. football fans this is john cooper for nai f-ball i am joined by my co-host Corey thorpe and we have two special guests with us here tonight we are joined by tony rodriguez for three-phase football and matt mcleod with flexball nation gentlemen tony start with us first how are you doing tonight oh man doing great great uh, glad to be on the show man thank you for having me matt how are you doing man Oh, I'm doing good. Uh, I just found out about an hour ago. We've got a two-hour delay, so I'm excited <laughs> here in Williamsburg, Virginia. I can tell you that. That's awesome. Now, guys, let's just jump right into it. Um, in our league, in the NAIA, there are about four to five teams that run triple option. You know, a lot of them are out of the Kansas, Iowa area. Right. Um, when I think of it, I think of William Penn, the statesman over there, and I think of yep. – uh, of Bethel, the Threshers, right. and um, you know, and, and don't forget Peru State. But yep. we have Coach Harrison over there at Bethel, who is a mastermind of it. I'm excited to talk to him, but I'm excited to talk to you guys. And the first question I have here is, you guys tell me, would it make sense for colleges that you know? If things aren't going right, you know, NAI has a lot of turnover of players. Um, it's a revolving door. Don't you think a triple option, you know, system would be more fitting for that? You know, you don't have the players that are guaranteed to be there for four years. Just stuff happens in our league. Wouldn't you think it's easier to transition a triple option offense? What do you guys think? 
Well, I'm definitely a, uh, an advocate for running the system. That's for sure. You know, uh, at the end of the day, if you got talented players and you can get them into advantageous situations where you get the ball into their hands and get them touches, man, you're going to be successful. You know, you got less talented kids um, that's, uh, versus versus superior talent. You know, you don't you don't have to block two of them. You can read them. You know what I mean and pitch off them. So you're putting yourself in a great situation in that uh, aspect. And uh, you know, using using numbers, angles, and grass to uh, to call plays, it just it's just a good situation all the way around for uh, somebody who's um, you know trying to build a winning program. Matt, you want to add on to that? Yeah, no, yeah, I think for the most part you're right. I mean, I, I you know, I, you you wouldn't want a revolving door to certain positions in this deal, um, only because you want to try to get as mo the most experience out of some positions as you can. But I think the system of it. Um, certainly lends itself to to having uh, a transitional, you know, players at, at any level. Really, um, I think as long as you know you've got your your program in place and and the kids kind of understand what's expected of them, um, I think it can fit. I mean, again, you you wouldn't want to have to maybe train a quarterback every year, maybe per se, but you could. Uh, the, the, it's going, you know, the way you, the procedure way you practice, you know, the things that you're going to coach those kids how to do, um, you know, can be done. I'm just saying it'd be nice to have some experience, you know what I mean? Oh, I totally agree with that. And that's just um, something that's really been on my mind. Uh, I went to a school in Alabama where we were an air raid offense, and uh, I came from a high school that was wing T, not necessarily triple option. But uh, and it's like every year it was like teaching the dictionary all over again with complicated schemes. Um, now, second question for you guys. If I'm a new coach to the system, what is the first play that you want to put in for the triple option to start working on your basics? I would say inside veer. I mean, everything comes off of inside veer at the end of the day. Um, every 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 single play is basically an answer to how they're playing you on the, uh, that you call is is an answer to how they're playing your inside view defensively. Um, you, you know, you would think that we have a ton of plays, but I know Matt and I we always suggest for for people that are new to this offense to run the top five or your big five. You know what I mean? And uh, that's what most coaches would recommend. You know, start with inside view, rocket. Uh, what else would you say, Coach, besides uh, the two I mentioned there? Yeah, I mean, I, I think if you – when you – yeah, you want to add mid-double and, and uh, mid-triple of that and zone dive. So, um, you know, and I think you're right. Uh, it, you're looking for inside veers, your first play. You're going to exhaust that from an installation standpoint. You know what I mean? Technique, alignment, assignment, formation. And then once that's down and the kids understand it, you know, you progress – um, to, to kind of fit their needs, you know. Um, you know, some some years, I mean, you're going to run your big five, like you said, but, you know, some years you adjust it um, based on your personnel. And I think, again, that's where, like you were saying earlier, if you've got some kids coming in and out, that's where the system aspect of it can kind of help you. Um, I, I know what you mean when, when you said you, you felt like every year it was – like a new version or the or the new Bible when you were in college. I, I can understand that. And, uh, you know, I think this offense can kind of uh, – assuming you, you know, do it right, 
I think this offense can kind of, you know, put the puzzle pieces together a little quicker for, for maybe somebody that's just coming in or maybe transferring in or whatnot. Now, you guys, you know, you're the experts at this. Um, I'm just familiar, and Corey's learning over here. But let me ask you guys, um, are you running a wing set majority of the time, having basically that tight end as an extra tackle, having six line, linemen up there, or are you guys just rolling with the five majority of the time? I would say, uh, you know, if I was starting out, I would start out with what they call the double slot formation, you know, two wings, two receivers, and a fullback, or what they call the B-back. That's, that's the, the base formation. And then, like, like uh, Matt was talking about, okay, inside veer is our bread and butter, and we're going to try to run it at all costs and try to exploit the defense using formation before you get into those other plays. You know what I mean? I, I agree 100% with what uh, Matt's saying. Uh, but that, that double slot formation, uh, I know Matt would agree, is, is, yeah. where, you, is where you start. Yeah, and, I, you know, so from where I'm at currently, we've kind of blended wing T and option together. Um, so it's kind of an interesting um, – you actually have – you've got me under center that way, and then Tony is more like Georgia Southern, right? So he's like uh, gone inside triple. So you've kind of got two different um, concepts here. I mean, all option, but, um, you know, it's it's uh, definitely two by two to start with because it, you're balanced. It's easier for the kids to understand their assignments going each way. And then once they know the rules, you know, adding a tight end or an over tackle, really, I mean, the intricacies of it aren't that big a deal when you're talking about a justice, maybe a guy. To an assignment. Yeah, we, we always talk about the formation's cheap, scheme is expensive. So adding more scheme is always a um, something we're always leery about. You know what I mean? Do we really need it? But a formation is easy, man. If you want to, man, we can run inside veer out of eye formation. You can run it out of split back. You can run it out of the gun. You, there's so many yep. pistol. There's so many ways to do it. You know, formations are cheap. Yeah. Right. So, uh, Tony, I, I want to hit with you on this. Um, you know, Lunsford's the head coach at Georgia Southern over there and uh, running that, uh, that gun type of triple option. Um, what's the major advantage that you think, Tony, running it out of the gun instead of just strictly straight under center? I imagine it gives the quarterback a longer read decision. But uh, is, is that it or is there anything else that you like about it more than going under center? Man, that's a really good question. I think that, you know, being in a shotgun, it gives you a little bit more forgiveness is what I would what, what I would say. I'm actually going – I'm actually traveling to Georgia Southern tomorrow. I'm going to go to a clinic uh, that they're having for, for the high school coaches. Uh, so I'm kind of excited about that, man. But uh, you got Bob DeBessie is the offensive coordinator. He used to be at New Mexico with the, the sexy, hot New Mexico triple option out of the gun, you know. Um, but you got the adjacent adjacent uh, formations and the pistol options, you know, and um, it is different. They use more of an inside zone scheme versus inside veer, which is the big, you know, once we went from we, – we, we were flex bone originally, and that's what we uh, we gave up is inside veer and, and, and went to more of an inside zone scheme. But at the end of the day, you just get a little bit more forgiveness, um, and you can really get into some funky looks. Um, and of course, the being, being in the shotgun helps your passing game out just a little bit. Uh, but hey, that being said, 
I, I love getting under center, man. Nothing hits faster than under center midline. I'm, I'm just, I'm just here to tell you. I, that's a thing of beauty. I, I go back to that under center in a heartbeat. I tell you. Now I, I totally agree with that. And Matt, I want to go to you here. And Corey, I'm going to let you get the next question, and I'll shut up for a little bit. Um, <laughs> so Matt, um, we're talking about you predominantly under center, and we're talking about that midline. And for our listeners that are um, foreign to the triple option, you know, universally midline is your playside guards dipping and ripping, trying to get to that playside backer inside shoulder. And that three technique is the read key. Now, Matt, can you tell me the variations you guys have for midline? Yeah. So, well, so we have a variation in blocking. Um, we also have a variation in uh, who inserts and where. Um, and then we also have a triple option version of that. So, um, basically, um, you were right against even fronts. Um, the play side guard is going to veer and clear the three technique play side backer to backside. And you, you know, your quarterback's gotta, gotta give up the midline and his footing and his steps because the fullback's going to end up owning that. And then the three techniques to read if it's mid double, then you're going to insert a player through B-gap. That could be a wing. We call them slots. Uh, or it could be a tight end. could be an over-tackle. There's a lot of different ways to do that. There's a lot of different ways to motion to get to that player. But basically, you're going to have an insert player on the play side backer through B-gap um, once the three technique closes. And then, you know, based on does the three technique cancel the B-back, or not, the quarterback is either going to hand it to the B or he's going to keep it through B-gap in behind that lead blocker. Um, and then off the same blocking concept except for the play side tackle and that play side slot, you run a triple version of that where you're, you're reading it all the way out. So, like, maybe versus an even front, you'd read a three, pitch off the five. Versus an odd front, you'd read the four, four-I, pitch off the stand-up backer. Um, and, and, you know, read it all the way out. Um, really, really good play. Actually, bo both of those, double, mid, mid triple are really, really good plays, really good complimentary plays too to, to inside veer because maybe versus an odd front, you're getting a lot of blood stunt, which just means the four eyes pinching hard for the B and that outside backer screaming for the quarterback. You know, it allows you to have, instead of working towards that stunt in an inside veer mesh, you're rocking back in a midline concept, gives the quarterback a little bit longer time to read that, sit and pitch and get on the perimeter. So it's it's a little bit it's a little different um, than than regular traditional inside veer, but great play. Both those plays are great. Yeah, and I was gonna I was gonna say uh, uh, Bethel College uh, coach Terry Harrison, he's the NAI there. They they do a great job of running that midline triple. Yep. That's what you're going to see when you see them right there, that play that's, right there. That's exactly right. Corey, go ahead, man. So, guys, when I think of when I think of triple option, um, the first couple of things that come to mind are those Bear Bryant Bama teams running the uh, – Wishbone. The, the, um, thank you. Oh, my stars. I just blanked. Uh, the Wishbone and, and the Georgia Tech teams. 
um, that I've uh, watched as, as a Florida State fan. What are y'all's favorite triple option teams at any level to, to watch? And, and why? What do, they, what do they do well that, that y'all enjoy watching? Man, that's a great question. Uh, I'll start out, Coach. Uh, my, one of my favorite teams is Eastern New Mexico University. I know they're they're a Division two. It's not NAIA, um, but uh, they, man, they're 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 a great team. Uh, they their motto is the ground strike attack. So you know they they're they're you know the cutting edge of everything triple option. But they're gonna throw that ball too. You know what I mean? You start creeping up with your safeties and trying to play eight nine man boxes. They're gonna hit you over the top and. And uh, it's just they're putting a lot of points up on the board. And uh, I'm just a big fan of that coaching staff, Kelly Lee out there. And um, I, I love watching me some uh, Eastern New Mexico. How about you, Coach? Although I got a lot of favorites. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, we're – I mean, I'm right here three hours from Navy. Um, you know, uh, you can't get much better than that. Um, you know, when Lenore Ryan was running it, um, you know, uh, you know, good. I mean, I like Harding. I like the Citadel, Peru, Bethel, man. I, William, I don't, it doesn't matter to me, man. I like to watch it. So yeah. I don't know that I really have a favorite. Um, but it's, it's like a, like we were talking the other day though, with a triple option, it creates a brotherhood, you know, right. amongst all this. And man, if you, if we find out you're running triple option, we're going to talk about you and promote you. <laughs> We think that's the cat's meow, you know what I mean? We think that's the best offense there is, uh, you know, on, on earth. I mean, we love to watch it, you know. Uh, there was a couple yeah, of – I mean, I watched, like, uh, William Penn on ESPN3 at one point last year, last season, you know, and just wanted to watch him, you know, just wanted to see how <laughs> – I mean, you know, um, same with Peru. You know, we, we interviewed Lou Varley, who's been an assistant there for a little bit of time, and uh, – you know, same thing with them. He he put on the chat they were going to be on. I think it was ESPN three. If I'm yeah, not yeah, 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 yeah. So I, you know, we we plugged in and watched it, man. I mean, um, so I, I don't know. I mean, I kind of fan of it all. I, you know, I don't know. Hey, we got so a couple. I, other, we got a couple other teams in the NAI too. I, I wrote down on my phone here, um, Cumberland over there in Tennessee. Yeah, that's, that's old Paul Pitts, the offensive yep. line coach out there. Yep. He's part of our telegram. Boy, we root for him. He's a hell of an offensive line coach, man. He gets after it. We we just love him to death. And yeah, uh, that that's Coach Mathis over there too. He's a he's a really good guy. So he he's definitely familiar with it. Go ahead. Uh, there's one more school I'm not very familiar with. It's St. Andrew University. I got them down on my list uh, that they run the triple option as well. Right. They're they're in North Carolina. They are a. Uh, they're they're in the same curriculum as Weber International over okay. there near you, and okay. uh, but they're in they're in North Carolina and they're just starting out. So that's to me that's a very wise decision. Starting out, that's the offense I would like to go with. Uh, who else was on your list, Coach? That uh, that was it, man. Because uh, what well, beside the guys that you mentioned, William and Penn, we we're familiar uh, with William and Penn because um, we we got a good friend Peyton Haynes. And his brother is actually the head coach over there at William and Penn. That's where uh, Peyton played as well. So, man, those guys have always been good um, recruiting our players and, um, you know, giving us uh, any advice or, <laughs> or anything that we need. Uh, those guys over at William and Penn have always been great. A great place. Um, they're in Iowa. Um, uh, so we're, we're big fans of them. 
uh, Hafner. That's the co coach Hafner. He's the head coach there. Peru State, man, they're great. We've had kids from our high school go there and play, and I think that's one of the cheapest schools you could go to. We were talking to Lou Varley. We interviewed him, and, man, just a really great um, affordable education out there. And uh, they, you know, they run the triple option there at Peru State in Nebraska, out in the middle of nowhere in Nebraska, you know what I mean? But Right, exactly uh, right. And then uh, Bethel, Bethel College, uh, Terry Harrison, uh, the head coach out there, we know him. And, um, man, I met him in Dallas. He's just a great dude. I know he's a young head coach, um, but he's the perfect guy for the job. And just, man, anything uh, we want to talk about with him, he's more than gracious to share anything with us. And uh, I'm excited. To see, with those young guys, man, coming into a program, you know, that brotherhood I talked about, we just root for those guys so much. And one of them, we just wish them nothing but success. You know what I mean? I'd love to see him uh, turn that thing around and, um, you know, have a winning season and, and, and do big things, man. He's just, just a great guy. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. And, uh, you know, about 10 years ago, the triple was actually really popular in the NAIA, um, especially where I played in the Mid-South, Cumberland's Kentucky. Yeah. was an absolute machine at it. They ran uh, – I think they won five, six straight Mid-South conferences and uh, a national title running it, I believe. But I, I remember when I played at Faulkner, we were the Bad News Bears <laughs> in 2010, and uh, we couldn't stop it. They beat us 77 to 7. Wow. And, uh, and, and they were just running outside veer, just yeah. reading the, the five technique, nothing <clears throat> special, five offensive linemen. And uh, just absolutely hammering us and, you know, just the key, just down blocking away, um, which leads me to my next question, guys. Um, you know, we have a lot of schools that uh, run – I don't even want to say triple option tendencies, but they are classified wing T. Uh -huh. You know, they're running those five – those big five plays you talked about, Coach. Um, they're basically running uh, uh, belly, trap, counter, speed sweep, and, yeah. uh, you know – what do you think it's worth running wing T without any kind of triple option concept? Honestly, <laughs> well, I mean, I know I'm talking to somebody biased, no, no, no. So, but, but coach McLeod, go ahead. Yeah. So I'll, I'll tell you that the, the team that I coach with now has been wing T only. No, no option. Just, just wing T since uh, 1990. Uh, six and the one thing I, so I was a I was a head coach at a school that was uh, that went the same district right so right um, and the one thing about playing them was we, we, we didn't really have to ever worry about option responsibilities because they never did it now they may motion a wing and run down right or we call it now belly G, whatever, you know what I mean? So and carry out a fake, you know what I mean? But, but there was never any option principles involved. So we could commit like, let's say a whole player uh, into the mix to help us. Um, and, and so when, when I got up there, I kind of just, the head coach, uh, we just kind of sat down. I said, look, you know, here's how we defended you and here's why. Um, you know, have, you know, and, and we sort of decided that maybe, maybe we needed a little bit of that to kind of, you know, get over the hump a little bit. So, yeah, you you can do it, and and it's it's been done. Uh, buck sweep, trap, 
jet, belly, down. Uh, you know, that th those things have been run for years. Uh, counter crisscross. Power. Um, you know, truck. I mean, I can go on and on with wing T stuff, but um, power. You know, I mean, all that stuff can be run without option. But, but I'll tell you, when you're defending it, if somebody's really – if they're just – you know, when they run down, right, pull play side guard, B-gaps through – or B-backs through C, you're carrying out fakes, right, to kind of hold people. But, but why – you know, but I'm, I'm not going to leave a full player sitting out there for nothing. You know what right. I mean? I, I mean, I've coached defense forever. But – so if I can bring that full player back inside because there's no option threat there, I get a bonus player, right? They're trying to hold me with a fake, you know, as a defender, whereas I'm going to go ahead and, and insert. So – um, I, I think it brings a, a compliment to the offense that, that makes, uh, the defenses that actually play the width of the field, um, as well as the depth. And, I, you know, that's where I think we've, I don't know, they were really good before I got here. So I'm not trying to say that I had anything to do with it, but we've <laughs> been a little bit more dynamic in the last couple of years. I'll say that. So. Right. Well, the, you guys have a school in NAI um, Reinhardt, right? Up in right. Georgia. Yeah, North North Georgia. And I had thought that they were a triple option team, but uh, everybody was saying they're a wing team, more of a wing team. Uh, uh, they, You'll get in trouble will, over there. They will, they will correct you if you call them triple option. That is yeah. hot water. Really? And, uh, so, yes. Oh, they, so, here's, here's, so here's my take on that, right? I think that there's a big misconception, and I and I know this too because of when I when I first started working at the school I'm, uh, where I used to be at, and they, I almost got in a, a, a daggum fight with the coaches there because I wanted to implement some belly. I wanted to run some belly. They were a triple option team, and they're like, man, we can't we can't do that. That's uh that's wing T. We're a triple option. I was like, listen, guys, wing T and triple a uh, triple option, man. It it blends together so awesome, like. Uh, Coach McLeod's got some articles on the, on the Flexbone Nation of some complimentary plays, and man, it explains belly and down, man, uh, the benefits of having those plays in your offense, and just you know, you get a playoff for your quarterback to get himself together that he doesn't have to read. You know what I mean? And you're getting your best player of the ball, you know what I mean, on a predetermined handoff. I mean, it's 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 an awesome those those two plays bellying down and then of course you can make the argument about trap and maybe a power we used to run um, one of our big plays is rocket and we had to counter off of rocket but we used to run power as uh, the concept for the counter you know what I mean so there's a lot of counter trade there's a lot of carryover um, that that we use wing T plays within the the flex mode triple option. And it got, you know, I, I just think that we get a big misconception that we're only triple option. You know what I mean? There's a there's a nice blend. And coach coach's team, he just told you, you know, they they're they're a testament to that. Right, and I I totally agree with that. I I haven't met too many triple option teams that don't have those predetermined handoffs like Belly. And then especially we talk about Rocket and then Buck Sweep. You know, you want to get to the sideline as fast as you can, and, and they definitely go to together. And, you know, even out of the wing team, majority of those guys have that wing back running that orbital motion. Right. You know, the, you know, the, the freeze a defender. But I totally agree that those two can definitely live together and go together. Now, um, you know, guys, I want to ask a, a, a simple question. 
And Corey, I'm going to let you go ahead and have yours. Now, coaches, um, is there anything that kills you more in the triple option than a quarterback not willing to carry out his fake? What do you guys think? Don't my question. (laughs) Well, I can go again if you need me to, Corey, but go ahead. So, uh, to be honest with you, to me, that lends itself to a lack of commitment in running the offense. So, that's where I start with it. In other words, if you you haven't found a kid that's going to commit to it, which means all of that you're talking about, then you you don't have your guy yet. You know what I'm saying? So, um, yeah, so so we have, like, hash rules and middle-of-the-field rules for our quarterbacks. They have to be at landmarks on film or – they get to deal with me. I coach quarterbacks. You know what I'm saying? And, and sometimes that's a positive reinforcement, and sometimes that's a, hey, I've told you three times, I'm gonna have to, we'll have to do something else. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, it, yes, if they're not ripping off of any fake, I mean, it doesn't have to be inside veer. It could be anything. You know, if they're not ripping off a of fake off a of play action and getting somewhere you want them to be. Um, like they've got the ball in their hand, then, then yeah, I would say you're going to be pretty upset as a coach. And particularly if you hand the ball off on inside veer and they haven't disconnected and sprinted, um, I, I imagine every option quarterback coach in the United States just got upset, you know. So. Now, Coach McLeod, just to, to go off of that, you know, we talked about the quarterback not carrying out their fake. How do you correct a – and I'm an offensive line coach. I, I definitely have my ways. It's, it's a, usually a, a boot in somebody's rear end. But how do you correct an offensive lineman that keeps getting held up by a defensive lineman when they're trying to dip and rip? Yeah, so, so there's a couple of different ways. Um, and, again, it's, it's all born out of wanting to that player to have success. So – you, you can work through limiting your surface area and your rips and your dips and hand placements and things like that. Um, if you're really getting squeezed hard, then, you know, you can outside release that guy. Um, so there's a couple of different things you can do. You can improve technique. Um, you can change the, the departure angle. Um, you, you could even base the guy if you wanted to. I, there's a couple of different things you can do, but, you know, I think it, to me it's born out of the success that you want to have for the, the right tackle. If he's not veering like you want him to or if he's getting hung up, you start with technique and then maybe work to a different release. Uh, and I'll be honest with you, I learned a long time ago, like, you know, it's like the play side guard blocking a, you know, a three technique, right, on his own, okay? So he's going to base block a three technique. Well, if, if that kid can't do that, a whole year of screaming and yelling at him ain't going to do him any good. Right. Um, he's never going to be successful. He, he may get, you know, upset and, 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 and really down on himself, and he may not play anymore. Um, but I think if you look at your own kids' abilities, um, which is, again, where option can really help you, um, you know, if you got a kid who's never going to be able to do that, then don't ask him to do that. You know what I mean? Um, but I would say the first thing is to uh, to start with technique, you know, rehash it, work through it, 
uh, you know, may have to change a few things. And then if you're getting really squeezed down, then you've got some ways within the offense to handle that. You know what I mean? So. Um, yeah, just, just to add to that, we have uh, – Coach actually has some resources on the website. I, I think he – well, I don't know if you still do, Coach, because of the Silverlight um, – yeah, I think I got all I got all that fixed. I think all but a couple of things. Okay, yeah. well, he's got some really cool drills on there, um, and, and and if you search um, Twitter, I think I got some little clips of it I could share with you. Uh, if you just search hashtag MeshPoint and you put in there like towel drill, you know, right. uh, as far as like the drill and train that muscle memory of where, how low you want them to get and fan the grass, we put towels on the ground and have the the offensive lineman dip and rip and pick up an actual towel. Or I've used softballs before, you know, so just something tangible they can uh, dip and rip and, and actually pick up as they're, you know, uh, veer releasing. Um, another thing you could do, uh, you definitely want to drill where you're, you, you know, you got a shield and you're squeezing them. You know what I mean? And you're, okay, we're working inside, but you also got to teach them to get that body lean back into the defender and stack up vertical. You know what I mean? So just, just training that, drilling it. I've even seen Navy um, through some clips that Coach shared with me, just, uh, you know, the working on the goalpost, you know what I mean? So you almost have, like, the offensive lineman in a shoot, a confined area, you know what I mean? Just those, those, all those things is just training the body just like you would a work under a shoot. You know, you're working on pad level, trying to bring it down. It's the same kind of thing. Hopefully I'm talking your language, man. You know, offensive line coach, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah well, you know, Coach, we actually – um, I try to do everything under the chute, um, but we actually yeah. use these half moons that yeah. we put on uh, the boards and we yeah. uh, staggered the one side yep. and dip and rip. And then uh, there's a couple commands, but that last command, they are flipping that uh, half moon up. Yeah. Right. And, uh, that, that works up well for us. And then, uh, yeah. uh, you know, back when I was in school, because I'm actually coaching at the high school I went to, uh, you know, I've, I've been around the block a little bit. But back when I was in school, they welded some cubes for us. Yeah. It's tight. Just like you were saying, Coach Rodriguez, tight, tight areas. To, um, you know, you got to move, dip, and rip and get past yeah. that bar or you're going to be hurting. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, yeah, you are definitely speaking my language. I, I know, I know, man, if you go and study the stance of an offensive lineman in the flex bone a little bit too, boy, them tackles, man, they got that pad level low in them shoulders, man. So they're trying to reduce as much area for them guys to get a hold of as much as possible. So I love their stances. They're like coming out of track blocks. You know what I mean? It's something else. Yeah. Very Corey, go ahead, man. Man, uh, like, like I said, you, you stole you stole my question, I, and I know, and I know why we're why we're thinking about it. Because um, all all I keep thinking about is is even not even a triple option. Um, is is just on a simple read option. Um, watching watching uh, Florida State last year, uh, Florida State had a quarterback who. Um, you would not just flat out refuse to keep the ball. Um, and it was the most frustrating thing at, at, at times to watch. So I, that's, I know that's, that's where both of our minds were at on that. Yeah, you got to have the right guy in there, man. It's a, it's, a, it's a different type of offense. You can't have no pocket passer back there trying to stay pretty and clean. If he's got him a little towel and an arm sleeve, that's probably not your guy. You want the guy who's kind of ugly and beat up a little bit and ain't afraid to take something, you know, a hit in the mouth. You know what I mean? And no Tom Brady's or Peyton Manning's Get back, back up there. and do it again, man. There you go. 
That's exactly right. Now, guys, let's let's drift a little bit. You know, last year I uh, I was I had the awesome duty of uh, having the j- junior varsity team of Franklin County in Appalachia, the Seahawks. Okay. And uh, I was the offensive line coach there, and uh, we started 0-3 for varsity. And then I had to plead with the coach, great guy, Tony Yeomans. Uh, and then we switched triple option midseason. And uh, so it actually worked out well. We only did four plays, but it worked out way better. Well, with my JV team and uh, – that's like remember I, uh, the Titans, man. And then they say yeah. plays works like Novocaine. Like Novocaine. <laughs> That's it. That's man. right. Now, with, with my JV team, and it's always fun running the triple at, you know, at, at a younger level. And yeah. I want to get your guys' opinions of it. My bread and butter was using unbalanced lines out of the flex bone. Yep. And running the midline um, to the weak side. And yeah. running that in, you know, basically – to what's that last guy out there and uh and it just worked wonderful and no you know it's junior varsity football nobody ever adjusted but to get to you guys with varsity and college what what's your opinion of unbalanced lines out of the flex bone or any other formation i love them yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, what 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 plays are you guys bread and butter out of the um, balance? The all of it. Yeah. All I, of it. I mean, Coach, I've, I've, I'm listening to you talking, man. I've I've done that same thing. We I come into a game, un, I'm thinking I'm going to use unbalanced. I want to see how they adjust, and I'm thinking I'm about to hammer this thing to the strength. You know what I mean? To the strong side, because I don't. You know, I'm thinking I'm about to get an extra gap or something. And then I've had teams where they over-adjust. You know, they right. bump the D-line, they bump the backers, they bump the secondary, and you're looking at the weak side going, holy cow, if I just run midline. And then we – I mean, that's the beauty about this offense. We get off – like, as coaches, we love being able to say, uh, man, we ran the ball the whole game. We didn't pass the ball one time. Or being able to say – Man, we ran midline 25 times this game. I mean, that that's like a badge of honor, man, in this offense. Uh, it's a thing of beauty. That's exactly right. And that's how you want to do it. You, We want to control the clock. And, uh, I mean, sadly, I'm not a part of a true triple anymore. But, uh, you know, one day I hope to get back to it. If I ever run my own show, it's, it's going to be a triple option offense. Um, you know, just like I hope to have a rural job, kind of like Bo Johnson over there. But, uh, yeah, just like Coach Bo. But uh, now let me ask you another thing, guys. Um, we talked about running inside veer a lot. Now, what, what are the challenges and uh, hurdles that your quarterbacks and backs, V-backs might have to face running that outside veer? Well, I think the first thing you have to decide is do you want to add another mesh to your system. Um, now you can get into some outside veer concepts where you you don't have to change a mesh off inside veer. So, you know, and Tony does a good job. He can explain that, does a good job with that. Um, but for us, when we run outside veer, it's a, it's a, it's a different mesh point. So I think you have to decide if you want to do that first. Um, if you do, then I think it's great. Go for it. Um, it's not, I mean, once you get to the point of the mesh in outside veer, it's all this. I mean, after that point, everything else is the same. 
it's working the footwork to get there. You know what I mean? So the B backs track for us to be inside hip of the tackle. Our quarterback's going to one big step, two quicks, and he's going to come right through that mesh there. Once you get to that point, it's the same. So the coaching of, you know, d- does number one cancel the B? If so, replace his heels. You know, all that stuff's the same. It, it's just the initial point of getting there. Um, but Tony does a good job of being able to reduce the front a little bit and keep the same aiming points um, for the B-back and be able to, and, and run outside veer, which, I mean, if you think about it, if you're only going to adjust maybe your front, maybe you're going to double a B-gap defender and you're not going to change your aiming point, then you're really not – I mean, you, it's really not that – I mean, you're not doing anything different other than your read. You know, who who one is has changed. But, uh, but yeah, Tony Tony does a good job with that. Um, yeah, I, I guess I'd just say um, the difference between those two plays, inside veer and outside veer to me, is inside veer would be like what I would run versus a team that gives you a little bit of space, you know what I mean, for your, for your fullback to work, you know what I mean? So – uh, in the inside veer scheme, we'll have the zone cutback component. So basically, um, your your fullback has permission to kind of bend it back behind the uh, what we call the uh, action key, right there, coach. Uh, yeah. And uh, so it could be a nose guard, it could be a shade, something like that. Well, outside veer, we'd run when your A and B gaps are basically taken away. A team says you're not going to beat us with a dive today. Outside veer still gives you that chance to run that triple option. You know what I mean? And that's what I like. That's what I like about it. You know, we just never uh, we we stopped. I actually got a running it in wishbone. I come up through the wishbone system, and we used to run the heck out of it, man, to a tight inside. But that elongated mesh, we we just weren't good at it, so we eliminated it, and then we brought outside veer back into our system, but to a two man surface instead of having a tight end. We just ran it out of a two man uh, surface. So when we played against like a bear front. So basically, your guards and nose, uh, I mean, your guards and center are covered, like a 303 or something like that, you know what I mean? And you have those right. two ends or outside backers standing up. We would just read the end man on the line of scrimmage there. And that's how we ran the outside veer from a two man surface. And nothing had to change from inside veer to outside veer as far as the mesh. But the thing was, there was no zone cutback component on outside veer for our fullback. Right. Now, um, and that, let's talk about something you guys probably don't want to talk about. You know, Coach Rodriguez, you just said wearing a badge of honor, running midline 25 times a game. Yeah, man. Now, I, I got to know, um, you know, me growing up running a wing tee system, um, passing the ball, like you said, it didn't really happen much. If you're passing the ball, something's really wrong. And uh, I, I just want to know um, – What's your go-to pass plays? I know for most wing T teams, they usually call a waggle here and there, or they have like a 90 series where it's just three-step drop, slant, fade, hitch, or like a fast pass, just tossing it out there. But what's your go-to pass plays? Um, I'll, I'll, I'll pick one. I know, I know, I kind of already know what coaches too, probably, but, uh, cause, uh, but anyway, I disagree with you about if we're passing it, it's a bad thing necessarily. Cause in, Hey, 
if, if, they, they, if they use all the defenders to take away the run, that means the pass game is wide open. So that means you're hitting right. those, big explosive, those big explosive plays. So, I mean, we pass to score touchdowns. We don't just pass for a little two, three-yard gains. You know what I mean? Um, we're right. In that box, we're, 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 we're hitting them deep, baby, in, in, in those voids. But I'll kind of to speak on my – you mentioned the waggle. So Rocket's one of our big plays. And uh, we like to compress the set, so kind of we uh, we call it double crunch, or some people call it nasty uh, flex, or something like that. So we bring the receivers in, and we like to run uh, boots, and it's almost exactly like a waggle, uh, same kind of concept, but it's like a naked boot with all your action flowing with the rocket one way, and you come back and you have you know your basic uh, flood or or, or or boot concept to the uh, opposite of that. I like to run that like from a hash because it gives you two-thirds of the field to kind of roll to, and, and it's a run-pass option. The quarterback don't see something open, he runs, you know what I mean? Or if he stinks at throwing, he can just run. There you go. <laughs> Coach, I know you probably going to talk about a vertical game or something, right? Well, I mean, <laughs> yeah, so, uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I think you, when you're building your passing game in either wing T or, or an option concept, Offense, you, you always start play action. You know what I mean. So, what what defenders can I affect to get the ball over the top? You know, based on maybe my perimeter blocking. You know, and then and then once once you're established for that, you know, I mean, obviously, switch routes where you've got you know like a skinny post up the hash and wheel outside of it. Um, you, you've set that up because your your perimeter blocking is the same concept, right? So anytime you've got a too high safety concept, you want to crack an arc that as much as you can because you want that to set up the same play as, action concept. You know, same thing like maybe you're getting a three two exchange, and 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 now I've got to be able to base block that safety. Well, now I'm going to run you know a vertical concept with a seam and a and a fade on the outside off play action. And I think once once those kind of concepts get taught, then and I think you got to decide, um, you know, do you want to go three-step, you, you, you know, or do you want to go run and shoot, you know? Do you want to go go pass, choice, that kind of stuff, um, which is basically, I think Tony would agree, it's like option for the passing game. Oh, yeah. You know, or, or, or do you want to go – like Tony said, you want to go boot off a toss or, or naked off a toss. Um, you know, at some point you got to make, you know, it, you know, you, you're like a kid in a candy store, but at some point you got to stop. You know what I mean? Right. Kids are only going to know, you know, what you can teach them. Right. I'll tell, tell you a funny story real quick. We, um, in 2013, Coach, there's no lie. We're in a tie, a district tiebreaker. They have these tiebreakers down here where you have to play a – there's a three-way tie for first place and runner-up. And you have to play a quarter of football, right? Monday night. <laughs> on, a, on, a, on a Monday night. So we have to play. We're first up against a team. Um, and, and, and we ended up beating them. We ran the ball, popped it in. We're like, holy – Holy crap! We're now we're in the championship. You know what I mean? Like, and we go to this next game, the second game, and uh, they march the ball down the field on us. We intercept it on the ten yard line. 
we go a 90, like 90 play, uh, 90 yard drive, man. We're checking plays left and right. I mean, we're, we're, this is like the best that's ever been in our offense. We get down to about the 20 yard line and we're on the left hash and get on the headset. The coach is like, what do you want to do? I said, well, coach, why don't you run a sprint out to the field, right? Tell, just run an old smash concept or something out there with the two receivers run out of trips. And I said, um, to, hey, just tell them to run it. Let's put the, put the ball in the middle of the field, and we're going to kick this field goal. We're going to win this thing, right? He's like, all right, I love it. Calls the play. Kid sprints out, and we're a running team. Like, nobody expects us to throw the ball. The corner route pops wide open. Quarterback throws it, touchdown, game over, man. Going to the playoffs. Won, won a district championship, man, on a daggum corner route out of trips on a sprint out. Nobody expected that ever to happen. You know what I mean? It was, it was, it was amazing. It was that's, amazing. That, that's awesome. It's it's amazing. I said, oh, shit, he's throwing the ball. I said, oh, my God, he threw it touchdown. You, you love the look on somebody's face when they're not expecting that from a, a trip team. But, okay, last question for you guys, and we'll wrap it up and get out of here. Um, I, I just want to know your general opinion of – where do you think the state of the triple option will be in 10 to 20 years? Do you think more teams might come back and run it, or do you think it'll start phasing more out at the college level? You know, it's, it, it's, it's funny. I was reading Twitter the other day. My buddy was, was commenting on somebody talking trash about Georgia Tech. Hey, thank God, uh, you know, Paul Johnson's done in Atlanta. And uh, it's amazing how much talent's in Atlanta, and he ran the daggum triple option. And my buddy made a comment I thought was really, really, uh, in, you know, right on. Every team in America runs triple option. At some point right. or another, every team in America runs some form of triple option. They really do, whether it's out of the gun or under center. It's just for whatever reason, people are very hypocritical about, you know, running it, running it from under center. But, man, there's no denying, if you look at the body of work that Paul Johnson put together, how many championships he, he's won and um, just, just being consistent over time, you know what I mean? Um, and dom not dominating the ACC, but playing some really good teams like Florida State and Miami and hanging in there. Nobody play them. I mean, that's just the, that's just the fact. That's, that's true. So, you know, I – I don't buy. I, I feel like there's people that are armchair quarterbacks that kind of probably, you know, are just just kind of running their mouth. They really don't know football. And then there's guys that know football. So I think it's 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 always going to be around. Now, will it be in a a big major FBS program? Probably not because the people making the decisions, you know what I mean. Um, you know, probably really don't know football. But I'm glad that Army and Navy are still running it, and Air Force is running it. That's for sure. That's kind of my take on it, all coach. Yeah, I, I don't I don't think it's going anywhere. I mean, I think uh, I, I think you might see some. Uh, it may come back to Power Five eventually. I, I think you, you know. I think Tony's right. The people that are having to make some physical decisions, not physical, but fiscal. You know what I'm saying? Fiscal, Money. Fiscal. Yeah. There you go. Uh, I, I think sometimes the patient level, patience level, isn't there anymore. Um, unfortunately, uh, not now. You know, Georgia Tech was very patient, I think. Um, but, but uh, you know, at some schools that may benefit from it, 
I think the people that, you know, ultimately make the decisions to hire and, you know, things like that. I think the the level of patience isn't isn't there anymore. I mean, look, I mean, how many coaches get a five year contract anymore? I mean, really, right? No, it's it's three three minimum or three max. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so, you know, I mean, I think if you just took take that concept, uh, you know, uh, I guess that's a whole other podcast. But um, I don't. I don't think it's going anywhere. I mean, I think, I think people will be running, you know, um, triple option for forever. Um, I, I just a version like Tony's saying, I mean, you know, look at Georgia Southern, they're in the gun, they're running it. Wofford, you know, they're in the gun running it. Um, I mean, I mean, Chip Kelly runs it too. I mean, I mean, you know, I mean, what everybody, anybody runs zone reads running, right. You know, running, running triple option. You're running a version of an option. You know what I mean? So, right. you know, I, I, I don't know. I think you're right. Maybe people don't want to admit it. But uh, but when you're on your center and you're in double slot and you're on inside veer for like 42 plays in a row, people don't <laughs> people get upset. You know what I mean? Uh, at, at least in the ACC. Yeah. yeah, so that's awesome. So, guys, I just want to just thank you for just coming on here tonight. And uh, – we appreciate the just the insight you gave us, and I know I, for one, am definitely looking forward to coming on to your podcast. I know Corey is as well. Yep. Um, you know, it's always great just coming together and just talking some ball. And so yeah. to our listeners, um, make sure that you go out and check three-phase football, Flex Bowl Nation, and listen to the Mesh Point podcast. It's a thing of beauty. You know, we talked about the schools in the NAI that run it. So just get familiar with your league because more than likely, if they're not running triple option in your conference, there is a wing T team in your conference. And bottom line, at some variation, somebody is running triple option, just not traditional. So, guys, we enjoy it tonight. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks, thanks for having us. Yeah, Thank thanks, buddy. That's all right. All right, welcome to this episode of the Mesh Point Podcast. Uh, tonight, we're excited to have Corey and John from NAIA Football. Uh, guys, how you doing? Doing well, guys. How are you? Well, we're hanging in, man. It's raining right now in Williamsburg, I can tell you that. Uh, it's, it's beautiful in Florida where me and Corey are at. Nice and warm. It is, it is nothing but blue skies and, and warm temperatures. We have... We almost hit the 80s today, didn't we, John? Yep, we almost hit the 80s. We're getting there. Spring weather. Oh, boy. Why not I'll, rub it in? Why don't you? <laughs> I was going to say, between the three of us, man, we're really rubbing yeah. this in on you, man. Sorry about that, buddy. <laughs> man. All right. Hey, look, Corey, why don't you start us off, man? Tell us about, you know, a little bit about yourself tonight. So, um, I, I came on a little bit after John started uh, NAIF ball. Uh, here, uh, um, I, I came in originally, uh, he was writing some articles uh, about Florida State for our other project, Fifth Quarter CFB, um, and, and I was reading what he wrote, and I saw he had good content, and I went, man, you need an editor, dude, and, uh, and he went, oh, yeah, you know what, and I went, I'll, 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 I'll just send it to me, I'll edit it, fine. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, that that's exactly broke right me in and, and, and introduced me to the world of NAI football and, and uh, 
I've, I've loved it, loved it ever since. We um, got to go to the national championship game in December, and that was that was a trip. And uh, you know, we're we're looking forward to our first full season of NAI football, doing a podcast and, and keeping up with articles, seeing how this this uh, this grows and and how we can bring uh, more more publicity to an undercover league. Well, that's that's awesome, man. I'm I'm glad you you guys were able to hook up because uh, my guess is you've probably been able to kick some things back and forth with each other and kind of develop it a little bit like you want, which it it helps. I mean, Tony and I are the same way, right? So Tony and I we kick it back and forth, and sometimes we beat it till it's dead, don't we? <laughs> don't we, Tony? But anyway, you know, it's good to have uh, 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 some guy, you know, a guy you can hang out with and do things with. So. John, why don't you tell us a little bit about what you're doing these days, man? Well, fellas, I am the offensive line coach at Wakala High School. That is just south of Tallahassee. Uh, I like to brag on my kids that I had uh, come through. We have the starting wide receiver at Florida State named Keith Gavin. We have a starting quarterback at the University of Florida, uh, Felipe Franks. And then we have a linebacker in rotation at Central Florida, Montarius Loggins. Uh, the starting safety at the Citadel, triple option. We're talking about it, but he's a safety. And then we have a four-back, Brandon Barry, at uh, the Citadel as well. So make sure I shout out to those guys. And uh, it's just great to see to kids range, come through. Yeah, we have, um, we have a quarterback that's getting offered by uh, a lot of group of five schools. So it's going to be interesting where he goes to and what position he plays. He'd be a quarterback slot, whatever he wants to do, and I think he'll be able to play at whatever uh, level he wants to play at. And then uh, – so I'm doing uh, Fifth Quarter, which is an FSU blog on the side with Corey, and I'm a terrible writer as far as uh, doing anything syntax, semantics-wise. So he really capitalizes on that. But uh, – and in NAI football is just where my passion is. Uh, I played football at Faulkner University. We were an air raid team. But uh, coming out of high school, I was a wing T offensive lineman. And uh, I don't coach wing T now, now that I'm at the same high school I came from. But, uh, you know, when things get tough, you know, we teach our JV kids a, uh, a you know, we talked about the last podcast. Every offense has, you know, three options or more options. And, uh, you know, our kids, our kids learn that. But uh, it's great to be on here, guys. Well, that's cool, John. Appreciate you sharing that with us. So that's what I was going to ask you is uh, why why out of all the different leagues there there are, why the NAIA, you know? And you, know, you, you said you played um, you played there at Faulkner. And, uh, you know, you, you're kind of hard on yourself about your writing, man. But I was, I was reading through your website, you guys' website today, man. I read an article you wrote. Uh, you put together about the three tiers uh, types of players there at the NAIA level, man. That was that was an actually a really interesting article, man. I don't know if you could talk a little bit about that. And uh, <laughs> you had some uh, some interesting quotes there at the end, uh, different types of players. That was awesome, man. <laughs> yeah. So um, the the reason why I started NAIA football. Um, you know, when I was coming through from 2010 to 2013, you know, not that long ago, um, I felt like uh, I wish I had somebody that tried to put my league on a national presence. You know, the official NAI, they do a great job at what they do, 
but they cannot like step back and just, I guess, let loose with their social accounts. They're very professional, which I don't blame them, but, uh, I don't feel like the league is represented as well. Um, me and Corey can tell you, we do this on our own dime. It's not like we're getting, uh, you know, not make we're making bazillions doing this, you know, and you guys know we're doing it for the love of it. And, um, I just wish there was somebody, I guess, like what we're doing back when I played. And then to hit on the three tiers thing. So this is very interesting. And what I experienced firsthand at uh, Faulkner University, you know, there's an article and you might could Google it up. But at one time in 2012, they were calling Faulkner the Miami Heat of NAIA football. <coughs> so we would get a ton of Division One transfers. And I'm not against Division One transfers, and it's not like I had a personal problem. My roommate on the road, he was an offensive lineman at Idaho at the time, uh, the Idaho Vandals, and me and him are great friends, awesome dude. But I feel like for the greater good of NAI program, you cannot rely on Division One transfers because it um, eats up your 24 scholarships that you have. And then uh, – so that's Tier 1 is your Division One FCS player that uh, falls through the cracks, ends up at your school. Um, there's a professional football player. Um, name escapes me right now, but he was a safety for Miami, uh, Ray Ray Armstrong. Um, you know, our coaches left that night when he got basically banned by the NCAA, drove down to Miami to get him, and next thing we know, he was on campus that week. He didn't ever play a down for us, but he practiced about the whole fall camp with us. And uh, so that, that's your tier one. Um, tier two is tweeners. So this is what we love with the triple option here. We're talking about blue-collar physical kids, you know, that aren't very uh, size-wise, you know. But, you know, they're, they're tough kids. They're good ball players. They win high school games. And those kids win NAIA Division Three, Division Two games. So that's Tier 2. And then Tier 3 is, uh, you know, I felt like I stepped on a lot of toes with Tier 3. But it's, it's basically what we call emission kids. So you got Division One, you got the our Tier 1, Division One dropouts. Tier 2, your tweener kids. Then Tier 3 is your emission kids where they give out a $500 to $1,000 scholarship and the school is just making bank off these kids. And this is where you get your JV teams in the NAI. And it's kind of sad, but these kids are given the opportunity. And I would hope that they give the guidance, say, is this for me? Do I really need to do this? But um, all you can offer those kids is encouragement. If you see yourself as a Tier 3, work your way up. So uh, that, that, that article was actually near and dear to my heart there, just because I, I witnessed it. I'll have, to go, uh, I'll have to go check that out. That's an interesting concept or what or a way to think about it you know, I hadn't right heard, hadn't heard that before so I'll, I'll look it up that's interesting yeah yep. you, you mentioned uh one of the players um ray ray armstrong oh my god what a ball player he was boy back in the day i remember uh I, me and my buddy always go into the state championships and i think i want to say they were 8a when he was in high school at seminole county high school or something like that over in the orlando area oh my god just it would be Ray, Ray, right, Ray, Ray, left. I mean, <laughs> he, he was an ATH on the roster. You know what I mean? Like, he was a ball yeah, right. player. Yeah. He, right. He lined up at quarterback. He, he was the one that basically, uh, I think he, 
you think of the Wildcat, I think of Ray Ray. You know what I mean? Yeah. He, just snap it right and left. I mean, that's he was awesome. But uh, I see what you're saying about, um, you know, coaching staffs trying to, you know, hey, you can't blame them. I mean, it's all about the – what they say, the Jimmys and Joes, not the X's and O's sometimes. That uh, That's correct. I mean, Nick Saban would tell you that. Yeah, he's a, he was a dude. I can, he, I can tell you. I can tell you that. Uh, yeah, and I, I, I want to, before we move on, I, I think North Alabama, when Terry Bowden was there, yeah. is the perfect case study of not relying on those tier one players. They're good enough to get you through a great regular season and a first round, second round playoff run. But when you're in Division Two, you know, you get 28. It's moved up a little bit. I think it might be 32 scholarships. And, um, you know, once, once your scholarship money is dedicated to this certain tier, you know, of 10 to 12 players, you know, that's not all 22. When you got uh, other teams that are solid one through 22 and you're only solid one through 11 or one through 12, you know, you're not going to be a championship ball club. So I think – Terry Bowden and then my Faulkner Eagles are a perfect case study of that. Yeah. Hey, check this out, Coach. He's at uh, some NAIA personalities, right? It says uh, – so, so these are like the, the kids uh, – what did you call them, Coach? You called them uh, the tuition kids or the, uh, the – oh, the admission kids. That's what The admission called. kids. The admission department gets them. So, so he says uh, these are the personalities of the kids. Uh, that would be the admission kids. It says – uh, the my family works here, so I get my tuition free. <laughs> the I'm always sick and have to miss mat drills. And then this is this is a good one. The my daddy paid for this truck and is easily paying for my tuition. So those are the kind of kids that fit into that category. You're saying that's too. right. Yeah, <laughs> exactly right. Well, hey, let's transition a little bit. I, I was uh, had a question for Corey real quick. Uh, I was, well, I noticed, man, uh, you had to do James Miller uh, podcast uh, for Reinhardt uh, solo. Yeah. I think John was uh, had an emergency come up or something, so I was listening to that interview, man. I thought you did a really, really good job. Um, but but I noticed, man, just just listening to you when we we start talking about Florida State or you guys are breaking down the NAIA uh, uh, playoff bracket or whatever. You're the stats guy, man. Seems like you prepare uh, for your interviews, man. Looking at those stats, that's that's a that's a cool deal. Is that, what 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 all goes into preparing for an interview? You know, you guys had some head coaches on uh, some of your podcasts. What all goes into your your preparation going into an interview? I always want to look and see, um, you know, who who we're looking at, um, you know, their background. Uh, you know, James Miller, for one that you that you referenced, uh, was a Virginia Tech guy. Um, and, and so when I get folks like that, um, you know, man, when you play for a legend, I want to know what was that legend like? Um, just a couple hours ago, we got off the phone with, uh, with, with Chris Hogan, who played uh, along the line for the Georgetown Tigers back in the early 90s when they won, um, you know, with, with their legend of a head coach who's now over, over at, uh, at St. Francis. Um, you know, just asking, asking him, you know, what, what is it like to play, to play under, under a legend, under Kevin Donnelly, um, and, and to get that. Um, so you always want to look at the head coach's background. Um, I go, I go to Dak Stats, uh, shout out Dak Stats for, for having, uh, you know, all the, all the good stuff, um, and, and compare that to the roster, you know, what kind of production's returning? What kind of production's leaving? 
Um, you know, I've seen plenty of, of, of stats that the um, greatest um, metric of how your offense is going to play the next year, especially through the air, is the percentage of yards that are returning receiving. Um, don't it, it doesn't always matter what you bring in, but but it matters your your quarterback, your wide receiver, your chemistry there. Um, and and then um, before we get on the phone, we always look at a little bit of film. Um, you know, John's got to got to see what that offensive line is doing, and uh, he's able to break that down that way. Um, but it but it's just it's neat to me to be able to to pick these coaches' brains to see what makes them tick. So so Corey, I Corey, I got to ask you, man, what's the what's the FSU connection? What what's the deal, man? What what's the deal? Man, I went to a Florida State game before I went to the hospital to be born. Man, um, my, my mother went to Florida it's State. It's destiny. Uh, it's destiny. <laughs> it, it is, man. Um, you, you know, so, so I grew up doing, doing the war chant. I grew up in Panama City, about 90 miles away from Tallahassee. I grew up having season tickets to Florida State games. That was just the way it was. Um, you know, I didn't know what I was going to do in college, what my major was going to be, but I knew I was going to Florida State. You know, that, that, was, that was just the way it was going to be. Yeah, I can kind of understand that. <clears throat> that's up in that panhandle, Coach, man. That's, that's, that's Florida State country up there, man. I know, I know. It's the same way where I'm from in South Carolina. What's that, Corey? Until you get over to about Jacksonville, then you get those weirdos who are Florida fans. I'm like, oh, <laughs> hey, well, Coach's boy's going over there, so you got to be careful. <laughs> uh, I'm going to turn into a Gator now, fellas. Uh, I, I grew up a Florida State fan, too, but I'm, I'm going to convert to a Gator. I'm going to be a Gator, y'all. I don't hold that against any of y'all, but I understand uh, the draw being uh, – college there local to you because that's the same situation I was in so I can appreciate that even though it is Florida State. Fair enough. <laughs> hey coach remember we talked about um, wanting to ask them what was their uh, one of their best interviews that they've had thus far you know yeah. so so far with their uh, with you guys' uh, podcast uh, talk about some of the um, uh, great interviews that you've had so far that you've really enjoyed. Uh, Corey, I'm going to go first on that. Uh, cause, well, the, uh, obviously, wanna, the, obviously, the obvious choice would be me and Matt, right? Let's be honest. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, and, you know, with, if we go with option B here, if we're not going <laughs> option A with you guys, um, you know, uh, we've had some very special ones. I, you know, the last two that me and Corey did together, um, I'm going to let him choose between those two. But I'm going to go with the uh, first one we did. Um, with uh, Coach Brent Deerman out of McKenzie, Tennessee. He was the Bethel head coach. He was only there for a year. Um, you know, he was there in the early 2000s, won a Mid-South Conference championship as a quarterback. Um, he, uh, you know, left and did some other things. He uh, was the offensive coordinator at Arkansas Tech. Uh, then, uh, you know, before that, he was a graduate assistant at Auburn. But he came back to his alma mater this past year, and Bethel was absolutely in the, the, the dumpster, basically. And he came and had an undefeated regular season with them, and then they lost a very close one to Baker out of Kansas in the first round of the playoffs. I, I think 
And, you know, if they got past that first round game, they could have been a semifinalist for sure. Um, but I enjoyed talking to him because, one, he's very charismatic. You know, he sounds like a coach that you would run through the wall. And second, he is an expert at his craft. So his craft is the RPO. You know, we always talk about, you know, different options in the offense. Well, he is a uh, – yeah, and he has his own book out. You know, a lot of people credit him with what's going on in the RPO, and I think that was a big reason why Les Miles grabbed, grabbed him up because uh, Les Miles took him as an offensive consultant for Kansas for next year. And, uh, you know, I mean, I love NAI as the next guy, but if Les Miles comes knocking at my door, you know, I'm packing my bags. I'm going to go work for Les. Yeah. But, uh, you know, just his interview, just talking, just – the X's and O's with him, especially with his, you know, people think of zone blocking as a, uh, you know, a not very physical thing. But he talks about very physical, you know, double teaming, climbing up to the second level. And then he talks about, you know, that 65% run game we have sets up that 35% pass game, especially with RPO when linebackers, you know, you're just kicking their tail in the run game. Those backers come up and you're hitting the slot right behind the backer on the RPO and just uh, other stuff you talked about. That was by far my favorite. Corey, go ahead, buddy. Um, another one that we did that was that was so much fun was Coach Oliver. Um, and and he um, he was he was neat. He's actually served on the NAIA's uh, top twenty-five coaches poll uh, committee. Um, so that was that was a um, that was a fun he's, one. He's out of Lindsey Wilson. Lindsey Wilson. I could not think of that to save my life. Forgive me, Lindsey Wilson, folks. Um, you know, Coach Coach Donnelly a couple of weeks ago was super fun. I mean, whenever you get to talk to the guy who is currently number seven in all-time college football wins, probably will be number five by the end of the year. Um, you know, you're you're talking to greatness right there, and that was that was fun just getting to pick his brain. Um, and then I'll throw Chris Hogan in there. Uh, Chris Hogan was a a Georgetown Tiger who um, turned uh, banker and is working for Dave Ramsey over in uh, over in Nashville. And so that was real, real fun to get to pick his brain both about the NAI and then um, talk about, about his realm now. We just did that one today. That one was that – was, that was super fun. Oh, that's awesome, man. Hey, listen, before we uh, wrap this thing up and uh, uh, finish up, I wanted to ask you guys because you said back in December you guys first started out breaking down the uh, the playoffs uh, for, for NAIA when the results came out of what teams made it. Can you kind of explain – I think you were talking about their 16 spots and kind of how many divisions are there or conferences and how that all works. There's, so there's like 16 spots. And what, is it, what does the team need on their resume to make it? And I was, I was specifically intrigued. You guys mentioned about down in my neck of the woods in Florida, uh, I guess it was a Sun Conference or something like that. You mentioned Southeastern and Ave Maria was on the outside looking in when they both tied for the for the conference. So I would just uh, wonder, maybe you, you can help educate me on, on how that all works. All right. So um, in the NAI, there are eight conferences. And uh, so, like, the Mid-South has three divisions. The Mid-State has two divisions. And then the Heart of America has two divisions as well. So that is, you know, you have basically – 
eight conferences, but because of the seven divisions, it creates more automatic bursts possibly. So um, you take those three conferences that have the uh, divisions. So there's seven automatic bursts possible right there. And then you have the conferences without the division, which is the Sooner, North Star, Frontier, KCAC, and GPAC. So technically, there are um, 12 automatic bursts possible. Now, here's the criteria. You have to win your conference, or if your conference has a division, you can win your division, but you have to be in the top 20 of the NAIA top 25 to get that automatic berth. Um, Ava Maria was receiving votes, and then uh, um, Southeastern was ranked 23rd, which I, I think that was done justly. I think there was a ton of other teams that deserved those spots. So, um, you know, there were uh, there was an at-large save there. So what happens is they try to get the top 16 teams. They give those at-large berths. Um, I th I'd like to say we only had – uh, I got the stuff right here, John. If you if you want it. Yeah. So, Corey, can you see on there who all got at large bursts? I know that St. Francis did, Concordia that did, um, Northwestern did. That's three. All right. So let me see. Um. So we morning show was G Pack. Marion was undefeated. They won theirs. Um, did did Grandview win theirs, John? No. Okay, so that's the four automatic. That's the four automatic ones right there, guys. Um, so you had twelve automatic bursts, and then four at large to make sixteen. Okay. Reality is, if you want to play at the dinner table, you better win your conference. You better win your division, and uh, finish in that top sixteen. Um, you know, when I was at Faulkner, we won our division, and we were ranked number eleven. And we got in there. But, uh, you know, and Reinhardt was on the outside looking in that year. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's a very – it's a system, though, where the underdog is built not to win because in the NAIA, they basically reseed the second-round games where, you know, if the 16th seed beat the number one seed, well, guess what your reward is? Not the eighth or ninth seed. You're probably going to the number two team. So if you're the worst team in the playoffs, judged by, you're going through murder's road to get there. And you very hardly ever have a team outside the top, you know, six make it to the championship game. Even with that initial seeding, um, the, way, the, the way that it turns out is that um, they, they sort of try to get the two kind of close. Um, so... Um, you know, poor Rocky Mountain over there, um, you know, in, in the in, in the northwest there, had to had to go over to Morningside, who's in Kansas, but they're kind of one of the more um, more western teams that, that you're looking at. So even in the first round, I mean, they're they're the matchups are a little bit uh, not as you know one versus sixteen, two versus fifteen, but you're given seed. It seems like it sort of hinges on where where you are geographically. Right, and that's because most NAI teams are not going to get on the plane and go. They'll take a 16, 18-hour bus ride <laughs> and break it up in two to three days if they need to. 
Um, I will shout out Benedictine Morningside. They flew their kids out to Daytona Beach, you know, the football players. But the band and, you know, fans had to take the bus. And uh, so uh, it, it is what it is. Flying with a tuba. <laughs> <laughs> so, Getting through that TSA security with it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So well, hey, you know, go ahead, guys. This is just a snapshot of the kind of thing that you guys do. Uh, with your Twitter account and your website and stuff like that, is you're going to provide this kind of breakdown information. I mean, I I just learned a bunch just sitting here listening to you guys, and uh, that's that's pretty that's pretty cool. And um, we want you to add three more teams to the mix here next year, man. I want you guys to get these uh, these head coaches on, man. William and Penn, Peru State, and uh, Bethel College. The other Bethel College, like Coach's Hat, there. You know what I mean? Uh, Terry. Yeah, Harris. out in Kansas. Yeah, yeah. We want you to get those guys on, man. Spread the word about this triple option, you know what I mean? And, um, you know, hopefully those teams make it into that 16-team uh, 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 playoff this year. We'll see. We're rooting that. That's the brotherhood, man. We're rooting the heck uh, for them. So, uh, we hope Yeah, they- so, we, yeah, uh, me and Corey haven't talked about it, but we definitely do need Coach Harrison on the podcast. Yeah, he's man. a very knowledgeable guy. He's, he's actually one of my favorite follows on Twitter. And uh, he's taken the Kansas uh, Grand Tour, you know. He was a lineman over at Sterling. He got his master's at Baker, and now he's over here at Bethel. So, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, We've had uh, Coach Hafner on, too, there from William and Penn here recently, Todd Hafner. Uh, Man, he's a – what a great guy he is, too, man. And uh, old Lou Varley, we've had him on from Peru State. (laughs) So these are some great programs, good people. Uh, You guys would – benefit from having them guys on uh, for sure on your podcast. Uh, but coach talk before we move on, uh, you know, in this thing or whatever, uh, there's some other things you guys do besides the podcast on your website. I noticed you guys have live scores, you spotlight players trying to give, you know, some exposure to some, some great athletes, uh, great people in that conference. And um, I noticed you even had a little uh, link on there or a tab for how to get recruited. You know, giving uh, a perspective, uh, college football players, kids coming out of high school, you give them some advice about how to uh, reach out and make contact and uh, things like this. So there's a lot of things that you have to offer if people will go over to your website. If you'll want to kind of talk about that and, and let people know how they can get a hold of you and, and how they can go visit your website, what your website is. So you can uh, – if you type in Google and just type in NAIF ball, literally how it sounds – um, you're going to find us everywhere. Uh, I think our biggest presence is on Twitter. Um, I, we're uh, getting to that coveted 10,000 followers. Um, but uh, trying to catch our baseball friends over there. But, uh, you know, we have the NAIFball.com. And, uh, you know, we're, we're both guys with full-time jobs. And, but we're trying to get more content on there. Uh, one thing that really helps us out within the season is that we have the score stream technology, which is a you know active scoreboard that updates throughout the day. So uh, you know, much love to the you know the official NAI, but their scoreboard you know goes very slow. Nobody wants to like search all throughout Twitter for individual teams. So we have that broken down over there pretty easily. Um, you know, we're on podcasts for every uh, wherever podcasts are made, we're there. And you know, one thing that we do that the players really love is we make these splash edits, which, uh, you know, grayscales the picture, 
and then brings out the color of the uniform of the players, and then we try to put the logo oh, yeah. on there. I saw so the they, uh, William and Penn mesh point you did the other day, boy. That was yeah, yeah that was awesome. Yeah, yeah. so the, the kids that, say that the, was fire, man. <laughs> yeah, so th- if the kids love it, we try to do it. And then uh, last thing we do, you know, which I, I really, I really enjoy, and our well that we're going to do. So we're going to do our player of the week awards. We do have one sponsor and it's a graphic designer out of Michigan. And we're going to do the NAI F ball tyke player of the week. So I don't know if you guys know what tykes are, but the, their little, uh, anime cartoon drawings. Okay. Of the yeah, players. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, each player, a uh, player that we see that stands out for the week, you know, they're going to be our tyke master player of the week. So just, you know, not a physical award, but, you know, something to say, hey, you deserve it. So, like I said, we're we're for the kids. Yeah, that sounds cool. I like that idea. So, yeah, so we are – hopefully we just grow and we're ready to explode for this next season and uh, get some good content going and hopefully get out to some of the games out there. Well, man, Corey, John, we really appreciate you coming on, man. It's been fun. And uh, good luck with everything, man. Thanks, gentlemen. Appreciate you guys. That's going to wrap this episode of the Mesh Point Podcast. Hope you enjoyed it. Again, you can download our podcasts at Apple iTunes. You can go on and rate us if you think we're any good. And maybe leave us some comments about some things you'd like to hear in future episodes. Also, you can download it on the new Google Podcast uh, application and on Stitcher. Again, I'm Matt McLeod. You can reach me on Twitter at RunTheTriple. Again, that's at RunTheTriple on Twitter. Our MeshPoint podcast has its own Twitter page, and that's at TheMeshPoint. Again, on Twitter, at TheMeshPoint. You can also find me on FlexBoneNation.com. I run an option blog there. We also have a forum where you can connect with coaches across the country. And I've just added a new uh, section entitled podcast where you can download future episodes all right tony i want you to let everybody know how they can get you on social media all right guys go to three face football on twitter at three face football and uh you'll you'll be able to follow my account and um the cool thing about it is, is every monday we do something called mesh point monday and basically i'll post out four questions concerning a triple option topic and it's a great opportunity for coaches all around uh the country and uh to, to get together and network and and uh, get to know each other and, you know, we'll talk about some kind of triple option topic. So catch, uh, catch that every Monday, 8 o'clock Eastern. And uh, what you want to do is search the hashtag MeshPoint to see everybody's responses uh, to, to the four questions. Uh, like I said, great, great way to uh, build our networks and, and, and learn some things. It's like an ongoing webinar on Twitter. So it's real cool. Also, check out the website, threefacefootball.net. Uh, we've got some cool gear. Like Fear the Veer, you'll see in the background here. Uh, Fear the Veer stuff, uh, mesh point gear, and, and other things like that. So uh, go check out that website as well.